You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. HDL cholesterol, novel therapies for raising HDL. Welcome to the Clinician Roundtable. I am Dr. Matthew Sorrentino, your host, and with me today is Dr. Robert S. Rosenson. Dr. Rosenson is the professor of medicine and the director of lipoprotein disorders and clinical atherosclerosis research in the cardiovascular division at the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor. Today we're going to talk about HDL cholesterol and we're going to focus on some novel approaches to trying to raise HDL and hopefully lead to a reduced cardiovascular risk in our patients. Dr. Rosenson, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Well, thank you for inviting me. We know that HDL cholesterol is an independent predictor of risk, but we also know that we have limited therapies to try to raise HDL, so I thought we'd talk about some of the newer approaches to raising HDL. One of the ones that's gotten a lot of press recently is the so-called CTEP inhibitors. Can you tell us what is CTEP and why is this a target for trying to raise HDL? CETP stands for cholesterol ester transfer protein. What is cholesterol ester transfer? Well, this is a transfer of the cholesterol and HDL to other lipoproteins, such as the low-density lipoproteins or LDL particles, or the transfer of cholesterol and HDL to the very low-density lipoproteins or the VLDL particles. It has been thought that if you can block the transfer of cholesterol away from HDL, that you will make that HDL more cardioprotective because less of the cholesterol is getting transferred back to the uh, lipoprotein that will in turn deposit it into the blood vessels. In other words, you keep the cholesterol with the HDL, and the HDL, of course, is taken up by the liver. The cholesterol is dumped into the liver via the bile, and then eventually excreted in the stool. So there is some evidence that if you block this cholesterol ester transfer, that HDL levels go up, but they're still active? They still can be useful in reverse cholesterol transport? Well, this is the big debate. If you load up that uh, HDL particle with cholesterol, are you changing its functional capacity? Will that HDL particle be able to interact with the cellular receptors and dump off its cholesterol? Unknown. Possible that if you load up that HDL particle with cholesterol, it may transfer the cholesterol back to LDL particles and then that cholesterol get back into the blood vessels. We also know that HDL does many things other than reduce cardiovascular risk via reverse cholesterol transport. We also know that the major protein on HDL, apolipoprotein A1, stabilizes prostacyclin. What happens if we increase the size of that HDL particle? Does that apolipoprotein A1 still stabilize prostacyclin or does it destabilize prostacyclin? Prostacyclin is an eicosanoid which is involved in improving vasodilation, which is needed when we increase uh, demand on our heart, and it prevents abnormal vasoconstriction or abnormal narrowing of the blood vessels. We also know that prostacyclin counteracts the hazards of thromboxane, which is a platelet-secreted substance that causes the platelets to uh, aggregate and form a uh, blood clot. So there's many questions about the functionality of this uh, HDL cholesterol formed via cholesterol ester transfer protein inhibition. I think it's very important to also review the epidemiological studies because the studies, the population-based studies, are not completely consistent with regards to cholesterol ester transfer protein deficiency and cardiovascular risk. If that cholesterol ester transfer protein is markedly abnormal, as in certain people with a genetic disorder, cardiovascular risk is high. But if that cholesterol ester transfer protein is partially abnormal, partially deficient, cardiovascular risk is low. So there's a very fine balance 
in terms of how much one inhibits or how abnormal that cholesterol transfer protein is in cardiovascular risk. So there certainly seemed to be some potential with this target, but it was unclear from the research if we would have a benefit or not until a clinical trial was performed to see what type of clinical outcome we would have. Absolutely. There were many questions regarding cholesterol transfer protein inhibition and the potential impact on atherosclerosis and cardiovascular events. Furthermore, the first agent tested in the randomized clinical trials, torcetrapib, elevated the blood pressure. And we know that blood pressure or hypertension is a very important risk factor for coronary heart disease, stroke, congestive heart failure, and renal failure. And in about 5 to 8% of subjects enrolled into these clinical trials, the systolic blood pressure increased by 15 millimeters of mercury, and it often required three blood pressure medications to lower that blood pressure. Torcetrapib, the first in the class, did something that we don't like. It raised the blood pressure. Now, how much of the adverse impact of cholesterol transfer protein inhibition with torcetrapib was related to the blood pressure or some of these other mechanisms that I identified is unclear. Those answers have not been provided by the clinical trialists. You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Matthew Sorrentino, and my guest is Dr. Robert Rosenson, and we are discussing novel therapies for trying to raise HDL. The torceptropib studies were certainly highly anticipated because HDLs were raised anywhere from 60 to 100 plus percent, and yet the major clinical trial did not show a improvement in outcomes. As you mentioned, the blood pressure signal certainly may have been part of it. But in my mind, it brings the whole question about surrogate markers. Can we rely on therapies that raise HDL as absolutely being therapies that are going to reduce cardiovascular risk, or does this put that whole idea in doubt? Well, I still think that HDL cholesterol is important, but we also have to realize that HDL is very complex, that there are many pathways that raise HDL cholesterol, and cholesterol transfer protein is just one of those pathways. You know, it may be that if you stimulate the production of HDL by increasing the amount of protein produced, apolipoprotein A1, you might get benefit. And there's actually experimental animal models that have shown that if you infuse this apolipoprotein A1 on a phospholipid bilayer, you can actually reverse atherosclerosis. We also know that some of the medications that are commonly used to reduce the risk of heart disease raise HDL cholesterol, and it appears that the HDL cholesterol increase with those agents is beneficial, such as the statins and nicotinic acid. Let's talk a little bit about ApoA1, since there now are novel therapies using ApoA1. I think it first really made headlines with a variant of ApoA1 called the ApoA1 Milano. Can you describe a little bit about what ApoA1 Milano is and how that can be a potential therapy for our patients? Apolipoprotein A1 Milano was discovered from a population in Italy who had low levels of HDL cholesterol, but no cardiovascular disease, an apparent paradox. That HDL was isolated from those individuals, and it turns out it was a mutant form of HDL. There were two HDL particles that were stuck together like a dumbbell. The protein on those HDL particles formed a connection, and this HDL particle was able to take cholesterol up from the blood vessels from the macrophages, deposited off to the liver without becoming internalized. So the A1 Milano had a um, prolonged biological effect. 
involved in reverse cholesterol transport without being internalized, and so it kept recirculating and doing its job in reverse cholesterol transport. So it was a mutant ApoA1 Milano or a defective ApoA1 Milano, but it didn't make the particle defective. It still was able to work and remove cholesterol by the reverse cholesterol transport mechanism. Precisely. It was able to acquire cholesterol from the uh, blood vessels, dump it off to the liver, and that's why the HDL cholesterol was low, but the protein still circulated, went back to the vessel wall, gobbled up more cholesterol, and dumped it off to the liver. Now, I know there's been a preliminary study where ApoA1 Milano was used as an infusion. Can you describe a little bit about what that study showed us? Yes, there was a pilot study of about 45 individuals with chest pain syndromes, acute coronary syndromes. And those individuals were given infusions of either placebo, low-dose apolipoprotein A1 Milano, or high-dose apolipoprotein A1 Milano. After five weekly infusions, those individuals who received the apolipoprotein A1 Milano had reversal of the buildup of plaque in the coronary arteries as measured by coronary intervascular ultrasonography. This was an incredible study. Five infusions. Six weeks later, there was regression, reversal of the atherosclerosis. Do we have any other therapies that have regression at that quick pace, as this ApoA1 Milano study seemed to indicate? There are no human studies that have shown regression so quickly. So can we use this? Is this something that you see in the future as a therapy post-acute coronary syndromes? The program development for apolipoprotein A1 Milano has been hindered by the difficulty in manufacturing this mutant form of HDL. But there are other therapies that are available that are analogous to the A1 Milano. There are synthetic HDL particles where the major protein on HDL, apolipoprotein A1, is put on a phospholipid bilayer and infused into the vein. And uh, those studies in experimental animal models also cause regression. There's another technique which isolates the HDL from the patient, removes the lipid, and gives back the protein in the phospholipid. And that type of approach is being tested in human studies of individuals with acute coronary syndromes. Can you speculate on how you think regression actually is occurring with these HDL mimetics? Is it revving up reverse cholesterol transport, or is it doing something else that is leading to these beneficial effects? The HDL mimetics are believed to work by reverse cholesterol transport. These are lipid-depleted HDL particles, which we know interact with cellular receptors on the macrophage and stimulate reverse cholesterol transport. But it's also possible that these HDL mimetics are improving the function of the lining of the blood vessels and therefore protecting the transit or uptake of lipoproteins through the vessel wall because HDL can actually improve endothelial function and have a um, vasodilatory effect. Do you see in the future that we're going to focus much more on HDL as a target than our current focus on LDL cholesterol with some of these exciting regression type studies being done? Well, I don't think that LDL cholesterol is ever going to go away because we have powerful studies with statins that show that you can reduce cardiovascular events by about 30 to 40 percent. But that's reducing cardiovascular events by 30 to 40 percent. What about the 60 to 70 percent of patients who are on a statin who have a recurrent event? What do we do for them? This is why we keep evaluating new therapies, therapies that raise HDL cholesterol or therapies that may affect the vessel wall and reduce the burden 
of atherosclerosis in our patients with established heart disease or at risk for heart disease. There's tremendous enthusiasm about the potential of HDL-raising therapies. It may be that torcetrapib and the cholesterol transfer protein pathway is not the right pathway, but it doesn't mean that other cholesterol transfer protein inhibitors may not be beneficial or other therapies that raise HDL by other mechanisms may not be beneficial. I think we're right at the start of a new era for HDL-raising strategies. I want to thank Dr. Robert Rosenson, who has been our guest, and we have been discussing novel therapies for raising HDL cholesterol. I am Dr. Matthew Sorrentino. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.